0: Hey there, friends, welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. I have to warn you at the outset, you're gonna hear bad words today. So if you don't like bad words, you need to skip this show. This is not the show for you. But if you wanna learn about money and how to take care of your money and how to make more money, you might wanna stick around and deal with a little adult language. Today on the show, my guest is Dr. Amanda Barrientes. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah, close. Barrientes. Barrientes.
0: All right. Dr. Amanda yeah. Barrientes. Now she is an NFA business consultant. And NFA stands for no fucking around. Now she helps coaches and online entrepreneurs unblock and more than double their money flow using her proprietary Manifesting Profits Formula. After going from food stamps to building a six-figure business fast, she's been on a quest to teach work from home business builders how to make more money doing exactly what they love to do. So sit back and relax because we're gonna have a conversation about money and we are not fucking around. Please join me in welcoming Dr. (laughs) Amanda to the Inside BS Show.
1: Hey Dave, thanks for having me. All right.
0: So I gotta figure out, I gotta hear how you decided to become the NFA business coach. What possessed you (laughs) to put the noun, verb, adjective, uh, I've, I've used it in all different formats. What possessed you to use this word in the title of your business? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I love using it because it either really attracts the right people or repels the people who are not so into it. Um, funny thing, it started actually as an athlete when I was a kid. So when I was young, I, there was an opportunity to be on a volleyball league, but the requirement was that it was for adults but the rule was that you only had to have one adult. So I was like, dad, you be the adult, I'll gather all my friends and we will have a really powerful team. And so when we got together and decided to name our team, we named ourselves NFA. I said, let's name ourselves NFA. And the you know no one will know what that means. And so all the adults were guessing, of course we won the tournament. And then every sports event that I was in after that, I would name my team, team NFA. Uh, One day I was coaching and this guy said to me, you know, you're really like my tough love dad, but you also have this really sensitive side. And I said, well, I'm not fucking around about your transformation. I really care about getting you results. And it just kind of stuck out in my head and I was sharing the story at a chamber of commerce meeting and someone giggled and they're like, that's awesome. And so I decided to put it on my Instagram bio. And then this woman who was a brander contacted me and said, I love your NFA concept. Do you want to come on my podcast? And I was like, huh, there's something to this. So I decided to rebrand my entire company to NFA
0: i i absolutely love it as well if you go to if you go to amanda's website and it's uh nfamoney.com put the three w's in there for good measure if you go to her website there's a there's a logo just like my logo back there with a circle <laughs> it's got no fucking around written right on the logo it is the best so i look i totally get and as, as somebody who, who focuses on marketing i totally get how it brings in The exact right person, because think about this. So you you got somebody who gets out of bed in the morning, they uh, put their socks and shoes on, they uh, brush their teeth and they think to themselves, man, I I just got to get my money right. I got to stop fucking around with my money. That's your person. The person who's like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll get my money right. Maybe I won't. That's not your person. So it makes total sense to me. I, I totally get it. All right, let's talk about why you're so serious about this and tell us the story about the food stamps to six figures give us give us your backstory.
1: yeah absolutely um so it really started i think pretty much every coach mentor trainer's journey starts with their own personal learning experiences so for me it started with i left my 15 year marriage having an affair and my next relationship wasn't working out. I was very much lacking relationship skills. And so one night I was laying on the floor crying and I just felt really, I was scared. I mean, I have three kids and I was at this moment of facing homelessness. I live in a pretty expensive area, Boulder, Colorado, and I was a grad student and you know, my monthly income was 1600 bucks a month. And here I am going, oh no, I've got to move. I don't know where I'm gonna live. My relationships are falling apart. I have no money. My counselor, I had a free counselor and she kept encouraging me, you gotta go get food stamps. You gotta feed your kids. And I was ashamed, embarrassed, just I felt bad. And I was crying and I thought, I gotta do something different. The common denominator is me. And so I just had this, you know, at the time, I didn't think of it as an epiphanal moment, but it really was. It was like, I was like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to shift my reality. I'm tired of this. And so what it led me to was podcasts because I, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. And so I thought I got to learn everything I can about personal growth and development. And I got to shift in a new direction. And every podcast I started listening to was, was created by a coach or a consultant or someone along those lines. And I started thinking, huh. I really there's something to this i love teaching i was on track to be a professor and we simultaneously had this huge departmental fallout and everyone in my department was super stressed i started to realize that the academic path for me there wasn't a lot of money in it and i thought i want to make more money and i want to do what i love this led me you know to different coaches and i ended up taking a course with uh john demartini and i helped it it shifted me to see that my values were out of alignment and nowhere in my values was wealth. And so I thought, oh, well, I've never even read a book about money. And so I just started learning everything I could about money making. And I realized that there's some really common blocks that we have because we all get these downloads as kids about our beliefs about money. And it's subconscious beliefs that keep running our money story throughout our lives. And as I started to shift that, things started to change for me. And really quickly, I went from food stamps to investing to then teaching other people about their money story and things just completely transformed. And then when I decided to take the leap fully, I, my first year of business, I went six figures and it's just been, his, you know, since then food stamps have been long, long in the past. Well, it's <laughs> it's
0: inspiring that, that you could do that. And I uh, admire the fact that you're open and willing to express your vulnerability and, I wonder if that has a lot to do with your success. I mean, one of the things that I've found is that people who hold back in one area hold back in other areas. So, I think that if you're, you know, if you're transparent, you're open, you're willing to share your story with people, the good, the bad, and the ugly, it frees you up. It frees you up in a way that allows you to accept the best that life has to offer. You mentioned money blocks. What is a money block?
1: Yeah, so I think about money blocks, I I came up with this term called competing commitments. And what that means is that your unconscious and conscious are battling each other, but you you don't know it. So you might say you want something, but then 95% of us is run by our unconscious. And so if you believe something different than what you say you want, you're going to have a competing commitment and you know you have a competing commitment when you're saying something and doing something else, you have a competing commitment. So what i started to see is that everybody has these in um, in the way of money and so i think of money blocks as a competing commitment where you're out of alignment in your thoughts your decisions and your actions around money so this could show up as you feel guilty about the amount of money you have you hide you you have shame you have embarrassment you have fear it's on your mind all the time but you don't really know what to do to shift in a new direction so it shows up as you I would say shame and guilt are the operating the the modes of operation there and the primary ways and it happens to people I'm talking you know I've met people I did uh, research with prisoners when I was doing my dissertation research all the way up to multimillionaires and I've never met a person who doesn't have a money block and what's interesting is they come at every layer of building wealth. So you could be on food stamps and you break through to the next layer and you have a new money block come up or you could be at the six figure level breaking through to the seven figure level and you got to break through your money blocks because it just brings up different things. I really think about money as this tangible form of your inner world. So I always say that your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. It's really a universal law and if your money isn't matched to where you want it to be you've got some money blocks going on. So that's how I like to think about it
0: so how do people identify what their money blocks are
1: that's a great question and i'm in the process of creating a money blocks profile (laughs) but i generally you start to ask yourself like if you write out the sentence wealthy people are blank and you look at what comes up for you you start to get some insight into what your judgments are around money and wealth so, you know, an example might be you're driving down the road and you see someone pass you in a Mercedes and you're like, of course, they're a jerk. They've got a Mercedes. And and that's an unconscious money block because you have this perception that, oh, someone has a really nice car. They're wealthy. They must be a jerk. This is a really common one, you know, that somehow wealth equals bad. And you can see this show up everywhere in the movies. So, you know, this week, whoever's watching and listening, watch a movie. You could really turn to any movie and you can see that often wealthy people are pitted as the bad evil force. And so we get these subconscious downloads and we start to then think it's bad to have money and, and our, we don't want to become what we hate. And so if we think money is bad, money is the root of all evil, money keeps us, it might turn me into a greedy jerk, I might lose my friends, then we're not going to be as wealthy as we want to be.
0: Yeah, and I I think what you're hitting on here is something that intuitively I knew and I think a lot of people know when we talk about surrounding yourself with people who are more successful than you. And one of the Mm -hmm. reasons why I've always advocated for that is just because because of the beliefs and the growth opportunities that exist. You learn about things that you wouldn't otherwise discover. I think that's true of their attitude toward money as well. If you hang around with affluent people, you're going to, whether you want to or not, you're going to, de- to develop different beliefs about money. And if you like the people that you hang around with, you're going to find that... Having money not only leads to generosity, it also leads to growth and new experiences for you and the people that you care about. And your attitude about money is going to change. And you know, it's impossible to attract something that you despise or it's impossible to attract something that makes you feel embarrassed or ashamed. So if you have any of those feelings about money, you're psychologically sabotaging yourself. But that can't be that can't be the only thing, right? That can't be the, the the only thing you need to improve in order to in order to, you know, take take your life from one level to another financially. You have to there has to be other things. So what are some of the other things that folks need to get straight in their head about money?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because that mindset piece is the core of it. If you are stuck in your mindset, you're going to struggle to take action because you're blocking your your movement in the direction that you want to go. So, you know, there's in my world, I teach mindset, money, manifestation, and marketing. And in that manifestation way, you've got to know what you want, take action in the direction, and then trust the universe to bring you the opportunities. If you have those blocks in the not willing to decide what you want because you're afraid and you're capped at a certain level, You're not gonna take action in the direction. And a great example you just brought up is you're not gonna hang out with people who are more fluent than you because you're gonna have a negative belief about them. And so you're gonna repel them away from you and then your opportunities to make more money don't come. And so the action piece is incredibly important but we don't like to take action when we see more drawbacks than benefits, right? Consciously and unconsciously. So you have gotta really first work on your mindset around these things, then take action, and then trust that things are gonna happen. One of the big money blocks is scarcity thinking. So I, I say money is scarce as your belief system, and if that's your underwriting belief system, you might decide not to try to make a lot of money because you have an underlying belief that you've gotta work really hard to do it. Let's say you grew up in a household where your parents both worked all the time they weren't around and then you have this belief that that's the only way to make money you might not build your wealth so you might not take action in that direction and so absolutely you got to get the mindset aligned and then you got to take action and those actions sometimes you know there's of course plans and paths that are quicker and more successful than others. But if you're at the beginning stages, you just take action every day. And then you trust that you're gonna get better, you're gonna get smarter, you're gonna meet new people, you're gonna open doors of opportunity that were never there to you before. So for me, it looked like, I love the example you use because what happened for me was I had this really negative belief about wealthy people. I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian family and there was a lot of like money is the root of all evil. And then my PhD is in sociology and, and rich people get pitted as the bad evil force in sociology as well. So I had this double belief in different ways that money is really bad. And so when I started hanging out with wealthy people, I started to realize oh, they're people. (laughs) Like, they have the same problems. They have the same fears. They have the same thoughts. It's just they have more money. And so it really helped me recreate my thinking around it. And then I did get to see that generous piece and see their actions where, you know, that belief system of like the more generous I am, the more that I receive, it's that that model of sowing and reaping, giving and receiving. It really started to shift the way that I thought about things. And then you get to take action in that direction and be generous even before you feel like it's possible for you.
0: Now, let's let's talk specifics here. So one of the things I tell my clients Constantly is there's a like a mental thermostat, and you're Mm -hmm. you have this mental thermostat as to how much business you're going to originate, how much you're going to sell, and it's all it's all between your ears. And I give them my own personal example, and the personal example that I share most often, I I can I can share a dozen, but the one I share most often is, I was a a hospitality industry guy, started in the in the hotel business as a bellman and i ended up through happenstance and hard work and you know good fortune and some skill i ended up running a brand for marriott and that went really well in new york city i built a big business and i was recruited to join a consulting company so i joined a consulting company like my first week there I'm sitting in this beautiful office in New York City, there's nobody around me, and the CEO is there to onboard me into the company, and he says, listen, we have this great space, we don't have any business in New York, and the reason is because we don't know anybody who can develop business in New York, and we're counting on you for this. But the first thing I want you to do, I want you to go out, and I want you to take this piece of business back from one of our competitors. So I'm taking notes, and he says, and here's how this happened. And he says to me, my brother-in-law was married to my sister, they got divorced, and we were partners in this business, and he took this client from me. I want you to take it back. I said, all right, yeah, no, no problem. I you know, built a business in New York before, I'm not a big deal. So, and I'm like the only guy who's the only person who's supposed to be going out and getting new business in New York. We had other consultants, other you know, people like you with PhDs who were doing research and stuff. They were based in New York, working out of the office, but working all over the world. So I'm the only person in their development business. So I go through the database and I see who from this company has come to our seminars or subscribed to our stuff. And I find a handful of people. So I reach out to them and I find one. I start working with her inside her company. I make her uh, I help her get to be successful. I end up closing this five million dollar piece of business in like 60 days. And they throw this big shindig. They have this big party. I go down to DC, they gather all the partners together and they want me to tell my story. And I'm like, I don't understand what all this what what all this excitement is about. You told me to do this and I did it. And as they're introducing me, the the guy who's introducing me says Typically in consulting, there is an 18-month sales cycle. In our company, the sales cycle is 24 months. And, you know, normally people need to do this, this, and this, and they need to understand this, this, and this, and they need to go to this class and this class. This person who I'm going to introduce you to today, he did it in 60 days. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dave Lorenzo. So what I discovered in that moment was not knowing what you're not supposed to do was a huge advantage. (laughs) I didn't know any better. I I built that. I got that. I, I, I closed that deal in 60 days because I didn't know it was supposed to take 18 months. I had no idea. So I tell the story to people because your money is exactly the same thing. The only reason you're not doing what you should be doing is because people told you you couldn't or you weren't supposed to. So how do we get to that place without having one of these moments, Amanda? How do we fix that in ourselves and do it in a way that's so convincing
1: yeah oh such a great story and so true it's often why i think you can be a consultant for a wide variety of companies without knowing anything and make a lot happen because you don't know the rules of the game you don't know the preconceived belief systems that everybody has in that setting and so it's actually a huge advantage because you're coming in with your own ideas and you know i know it's been talked about in different books about how sometimes when you're poor and you're at the bottom that's when you have the greatest chance to gain because you are highly driven in a different way, right? And it may be fear-based, but when you are in, at the level you're at and, and in that moment when people are going, how do I break through to the next level? The interesting thing is that we all have that internal set mechanism and it's based on survival. You know, we're animals at the most basic sense and we live by the pleasure-pain principle. So we're always gonna seek pleasure over pain automatically. So you actually have to train yourself out of your comfort zone. So I talk to people about this as your comfort zone. and most most people can only stretch about 10% out of their comfort zone before they trigger that fear response that that tears them back. And I call it the inner critic leash. It's like an invisible invisible leash that pull, leash that pulls you back into your comfort zone. And so I help people stair step their way out of that because you've got to start to debunk your belief system. The interesting thing is that if you have somebody good at what they do with uncovering unconscious blocks, which is what I do, you can move through the videos that thermostat really fast. If you're on your own, it takes longer. Um, it, if you ever do it, because you can't see those unconscious blocks for yourself. So there's some great strategies to help you go. Why do I believe that? And and one thing you know for listeners, just a quick actionable takeaway is to ask yourself like, what's my what what am I afraid of right now? Write that down, and then dig into the layers and say, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? And keep going and going until you get to where you're usually. What happens? With clients, as they start to cry, like they go, "Oh my God, I had no idea that this is what was keeping me stuck." Because it doesn't seem related. You could, you know, you can go from like having this belief that seems so obvious to you to something layered down. Like, I, really, it's that I'm afraid I'm going to lose my wife. You know, and and you're like, oh my God, of course I'm not gonna try, I'm not gonna break through the next layer if I'm afraid I'm gonna lose the people I love. Mm. You know, and so I see this happen all the time. So you wanna start to dig into those unconscious beliefs, then you can move through it really quickly. If you don't, it's gonna always pull you back into that exact thermostat level, it's like your set point, I call it your money set point, And you're going to get pulled back every time through some sort of self-sabotage thing that doesn't, it's confusing because you go like, why is it that every time I build my company to this level, something bad happens to get me back to the level where I felt comfortable. And you're not thinking of it that way, but that's what's really going on. And it's that survival mechanism keeping you safe and knowing how to navigate and manage what's going on for you.
0: Talk about the effectiveness, I, I don't know if it is or not. It's one of the things I use, and you can tell me if I'm doing myself more harm than good. I set little traps for myself to make myself uncomfortable <laughs> to move past some of, these, some of these barriers, right? So one of them was, believe it or not, and they're gonna be thrilled to hear this, employees. I, for the longest time, I didn't have employees, I didn't have a, I didn't have a payroll to make, and that kept me, it, it kept me at a level that was comfortable for me, right? So now having employees knowing that I never want to not be able to make payroll, I'm constantly pushing to get to that next level. I'll give you another one. In my in my personal life, we, we, my wife and I play this game, we do this all the time. We figure out what we want and then we figure out how we're going to, I'm going to improve, grow the business in order to get what we want. So the kids going to better schools, right? I want to put my kids in the most expensive school in Miami. Okay, well shit, (laughs) now now I got got to make more money in order to do that. And I have to make more money every year because my kids are young. So I got, I have to, you know, I have to up the level of my game in order to do that. We have a nice house in a nice neighborhood, we wanna move into a bigger house in a better neighborhood, so what do we do? We spend one day a week driving the neighborhood, identifying houses that would be candidates, looking them up, seeing how much they would cost, figuring out how much we have to make in order to get to that. These are little traps I set to myself. for, for myself. My concern is this, and you tell me if this, uh, if this rings true, what happens when I run out of traps to set for myself, right? What happens when, <laughs> You know, the kids go to college and the college is paid for. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm constantly thinking of that. And that in and of itself could potentially hold you back because you're thinking, well, there's not going to be any more worlds left to conquer. So am I doing more harm than good or is that a productive strategy?
1: Well, that's an interesting question because it's productive in that you will keep producing more. Right, and I think the word traps is interesting. I would be looking at that, like, is it stepping stones? Is it things that you want to create, or is it because the the word trap to me indicates something negative? So I'd be thinking about why do I think of this as a trap versus a stretch? You know, it's like oh, I'm stretching myself to the level I want to be at, and and for me, I always ask people. So you know, remember when you introduced me. Part of my bio and what I help people do is make money doing what they love mm-hmm. and, and that all is related to feeling good. When I ask people what they want most in life, and this is why I created my, the name of my company to need to be NFA Money, they said, money which equals freedom of choice, right? People want freedom of choice. And that amount of money that that means is different for everybody. For some people that's a very small amount, for some people that's a very large amount. The thing that you always want to be gauging is how do I feel, Mm. right? Because what's going to happen is that if you're feeling good, that's an indication that you're in alignment and then you get to attract things from your zone of genius and feeling good and from joy and it's easy and fun and flowing. And you'll always think of the next fun stretch zone of what you want. Maybe it'll become a yacht for you or I don't know what it is, you know, so it'll be a fun thing. The thing that you want to watch for is do I feel bad as I'm getting there thinking that there's always the next level to get to. And when I get there, I'll feel better. So it's that be do have model of like, am I being aligned? Am I feeling good? Am I present with my kids? Or am I going, I got to work my butt off at all points in time. And then you're offsetting the joy thinking like, when I get there, I'll feel better. And then there never comes because then you keep upping the ante and you never get to actually be present in the moment and enjoy it. So that's how I would be thinking of that.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So if you're, if you're doing what you love, it comes naturally to you. If it feels good. So basically, I need to set things up so that what I'm doing, it, as long as I'm attracting clients, always feels good. If I'm making more money, it always feels good. I really enjoy what I'm doing. Then I mean that's that's the secret to uh, that's the secret to a career. That's the secret to never retiring. If you're doing what you love, why the hell would you ever retire? You know, I see these exactly. people who retire and their brains turn to mush within two or three years. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why the hell did you ever retire? Why did I retire 40 years doing that? Are you crazy? Well, the, no. What's crazy is doing that for 40 years. If you feel that way. Mm-hmm. So all right. So let's let's talk about uh, let's let's go into a little detail and talk about people to, to people right now who are in a place where a portion of what they do they love there's a portion of what they do they don't love they just got a breakthrough from you and they just heard okay so if I love it and I can you know monetize it in a way that enables me to achieve my financial goals it will be easier for me that's that 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 strikes me as another place where people could get stuck, right? Because there's a there's a whole mess associated with that. So I know what I love. What happens next? How do I how do I really uh, double down on that?
1: Yeah, I, I, great. It's a great question. And what you're alluding to is that people need to recognize when I'm not in that place of enjoying it. You need to as quickly as you possibly possibly can drop automator delegate. So what I strive for, like my 2021 goal is, you know, last year it was, I want to learn the art and science of manifestation so that my life can flow easily. This year it's, I, want, I am committed to living my life and building my business more and more up to getting to hundred percent of living in my zone of genius, which means I'm in a state of joy. So every day I get up and ask myself, is this fun or do I need to drop, automate or delegate? And, and as quickly as you possibly can, the things that aren't bringing you joy, you need to consider. Is this something that's necessary in my business? Because often we do a whole bunch of BS that someone told us we should do that isn't necessary. Those are things we drop. If it's something you need to do, but you're not really enjoying it, can you delegate it? Or can you create a system around it to automate it so that you don't need to be doing it anymore and wasting your time? Because you have the greatest money-making potential when you're living in your zone of genius, which is a state of joy. And so, you know, that trap can come in when we go, "Oh, now I've got to live 100% in a state of joy." Well, the way that you get there is through drop, automate, delegate. And and you just ask yourself that every day and you pivot in that direction more and more as 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 every day. Just asking yourself that question, is this bringing me joy? If it's not, you know, so you do a retrospective view and you go, What did I do last month that helped me move the needle forward in a state of joy and brought in the highest ROI? And I always think of highest ROI as the most fun, the least effort, highest reward. You know, it's like you are enjoying your business. You're enjoying your life. You're building your lifestyle. You're present in the moment. You're not feeling completely overwhelmed and stressed and you're enjoying it. If anything that is a yes, you keep doing more of that. Anything that's a no, you drop automate or delegate.
0: Okay. So, do we need to does this need to be something that's written down do we need to have like a written plan for this or can it just be kind of in the back of our mind
1: you could do both i am a huge advocate for journaling every day and i do instead of yearly plans with people i do 30-day plan of actions and in it we ask that question because usually what happens especially it depends on your stage of business development, but there's so many moving parts that for you to project a year into the future is very challenging. And what will happen if there, it, let's say there's someone like the example you were giving Dave, where you're like, I set my goal here and I'm doing it no matter what. I used to be a really, I'm hell or high water person. Like I committed to it and I'm doing it at hell or high water. The problem with that is that you can often get out of that state of joy and start to feel dread, burnout, stress, frustration, resentment toward your business, which then makes you actually have to work harder to get it because because you're not energetically attracting things your way. So I like to have a shorter timeline, like you set your year-long vision, but you only plan for a month at a time, and then that's what helps you really forecast, what do I need to drop, automate or delegate, and what do I need to do more of, because it's bringing me joy and bringing me money.
0: Okay, so talk to me now about, you mentioned the word manifestation, okay? And this is, so I, I struggle with this, and I'm just going to lay it on the line here. You're, you're obviously very smart. You've gone through a lot of advanced education. But when I hear, and everything you've said so far in our conversation has really resonated with me. But when I hear the word manifestation, I immediately... Think of like the secret and some woo. let's do some affirmations and money is going to fall out of the sky and I'm going to get hit in the head. Well, you know, listen, I, I have yet to find money falling out of the sky and hitting me in the head. So <laughs> tell me about this whole concept of manifestation and use your intellectual skills and powers to convince me that this is not some psycho mumbo jumbo. This is a real thing.
1: I love it. Great question. And you know, it's, it's funny that you say this, because when I started using the term, I had the same thing. I was like, am I really going to use this term? Because as a scientist, you know, like I'm a research scientist, it was always like, yikes, people aren't going to take me seriously. And now that I've stepped into it fully and done a lot of research and reading, I just go, I'm writing a book called Woo Woo Works because it does. And it's interesting because it's based on quantum physics. I mean, really it's based on quantum physics when you look at it. So if you think of ourselves as energy, we are attracting that to us, which is like us in frequency, which is measurable. You can actually measure your level, your frequency and mine, and we can see what frequency level we're at. You can measure the frequency of all kinds of things around us. And so if you think about where am I at in frequency, they can, you can measure emotional states and you can see like if I'm in a state of anger, Upset, shame, guilt, my frequency is lower than when I'm in a state of joy. And that's why I help people get into their state of joy because then it attracts things to you more easily. In no way, shape, or form is it you sitting on the couch, you know, in lotus position, wishing that money drops into your lap. Sure, maybe it could happen, (laughs) but most likely what you're thinking about is your lack of money, which actually attracts a lack of money to you, so it's about action, and I always think about it as, when you're in a state of joy, you're magnetic, and you're, you're, it, it, you're bringing a higher state of frequency to the people around you, and what that does is it opens doors of opportunity because you're also looking for it. So this is in brain science, right? When we're looking at neuroscience, we have a reticular activating system that we train to track in a direction based on our thoughts. So if I'm thinking all day about debt, I'm gonna attract more debt. If I'm thinking all day about, ooh, how many clients do I need to pay off my investments in myself in the past, you attract more clients. So you gotta be really conscious of your thoughts, because your thoughts create your reality and your thoughts have a frequency to them. So, you know, in, those, in that scientific way, we could say, uh, you know, it's, it's about energy and frequency. I mean, uh, Einstein talks about, he doesn't use the word manifestation, but he talks about everything is energy and that's the bottom line and it has to do with frequency. So it's really about quantum physics. All
0: right. So um you're going to you're going to have to do some more work with me with the frequency thing, but I what I took away from that was uh, I'll give you an example. If you're driving your car, you get your hang on, I got to do this so that I, the camera can see me. So you get your hands on the steering wheel. You're driving the car, right? And you look to the right, your hands go to the right, right? You're driving your car, you look to the left, your hands go to the left, right? So yep what what we think about the the phrase that that the woo phrase is what we think about expands but in reality what we think about we act upon because we're thinking about it okay so you know the frequency stuff okay if that helps you but really it's just your thoughts and your thoughts create feelings which create action that's yeah. that's the formula right so I don't I mean the you know the frequency stuff okay but that's going to lead people to sit on the couch and go think about making money think about making money think about making money and I'm going to win the lottery and that's just not what really happens what really happens is all right, think about wanting to move into a bigger house. Now, think about the, now, what is the feeling I'm going to have when I'm in that bigger house? Now, what's the feeling when I'm hosting all my friends at this great pool party for 4th of July at this house and describe the house in detail and think about what the food smells like when somebody is barbecuing the food for you and you're not slaving over that grill in 95 degree weather and think about how smart your kids are gonna be and how they're gonna go to medical school and law school because of the education you were able to give them. Now, what do you feel? Oh, I feel pride, I feel this, I feel that. Then, you're motivated to take action to achieve those things. That, to me, you got me. With that, you got me, I believe it because it happens to me every stinking day. One way, for good or for bad, it happens to me every day. Explain again that the whole frequency vibration thing like I just think it's thinking thoughts create feelings feelings create actions actions lead to results.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, I love that you're saying that because my I have a method, NeuroFreedom Alignment. It's exactly that. I always tell people, look to your feelings because your feelings indicate where your thoughts were, and your belief system is just an accumulation of your thoughts. So look at your beliefs, look at your thoughts; those are your feelings, and then out of your feelings, you take action and you get your results. And so it's, I mean, that map is very simple, and I like to keep it simple like that because I'm all NFA style actionable strategies that are simple and I go okay the simplest thing is to go how do I feel how do I raise how I feel to get what I want and the way you raise how you you feel is by thinking about the things that make you feel good Mm -hmm. right you think about like your kids being successful and having everything they want and then you start to feel better and then you start to get into action because you're like oh I want to create that so your traps are much that Mm -hmm. way you know it's like oh I want my kids to be in the school because you have some conscious and unconscious thought that they're gonna benefit from it in their life course and that you're gonna feel like a good dad and you're gonna feel like a good provider. And so that has you taking action, spontaneous action in the direction, right? And I think of that as inspired action. So, you know, freaking wincy wise, I almost think it's important to just drop it completely and not even consider it and just go, how do I, and and manifestation, the word just means to make something tangible, right? You're creating something tangible out of the intangible. So your outer world becomes a reflection of your inner world in a tangible way. And money is a good measure of that. And we often track our success by our amount of money that we have. And so, you know, in that frequency realm, you can just think about, you know, they do, they'll do, uh, tests on cancer cells, let's say, and and they'll say the high, if you're in a high frequency state, you can't grow cancer. So there's some really powerful studies out there now. And with technology, it's, it's I think it's going to be incredible over the next 50 years to see what we come up with and how much we understand how our thoughts create a reality. And it has to do on measuring frequencies. And it's fascinating. Watch um, if you haven't yet watched the documentary Superhumans on uh, Amazon Prime. It just came out in twenty twenty. Fascinating, and it talks about a lot of these things.
0: Okay, I'm putting it down. I'll put from scientists
1: uh, from scientists around the world. I'll
0: put a link to it in the show notes as well. All right, let's let's talk now about one of my favorite. uh, I call it a shortcut. I would consider it to be a shortcut. I want to hear what you think of it. Modeling behavior from other people. So if you want a boat. You go hang out with somebody who's got a boat and you say, what did you do to get the boat? How did you, you, know, how did you, how did you build this great life? You know, and as long as they're not like a drug dealer or a criminal or something, modeling their behavior is going to be a shortcut for you. And you don't even need to know how it works. You just have to you know, follow the path that they've set for you. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's brilliant. I think whoever you surround yourself with or by based on what you want is going to help you. I mean, I always think about, (laughs) I actually call complainers crap magnets. It's like you're just attracting bad things your way and it continues to come because that's what you're thinking about. And you know, just like we said, whatever you're thinking about, you're tracking for. So you're actually, because of confirmation bias, you're going to attract more of it your way to prove that it's true. So if you wanna prove that it's true that you can have a boat, absolutely hang out with people that have a boat hang out with people you know if you're like i want to travel the world start daydreaming about traveling the world H- you know watch documentaries about traveling hang out with people that are traveling and it it, it, it you know we say it rubs off on you and it does mm. Fre- frequency wise energetically the thoughts you're having the daydreams you start to have everything starts to shift in that direction and really this has to do with neuroscience of your RAS and the, that reticular acting activating system that's tracking and pulling you in that direction to prove through confirmation bias that what you're seeing is true for you
0: okay all right so there's somebody listening right now whose uh whose business is has been dramatically impacted by the COVID pandemic We're, we're recording this for those of you who are going to be listening years from now we're recording this in the toward the end of march 2021 and there's there's light at the end of the tunnel there's hope in that uh vaccines are are becoming more and more pervasive And you can see that that things will eventually this is going to end and things will eventually improve. And over time, things will get back to normal and life may be even better for for a lot of people because they've learned new skills and they've developed new things because of the pandemic. But there's somebody who's listening right now and they're paralyzed because what they what they had a year ago is is not the same right now. And it may not be the same right it may it may be you know it may have to they may have to change for example and i'll I'll give you if you want an an exact avatar there are a lot of people who uh who listen to the show who watch on youtube who are professional speakers and you know there are people who speak you know 50 60 70 times a year and they make three thousand five thousand ten thousand dollars a speech and they were upper middle class you know high net worth individuals some of them And they were just decimated. And there are some people, and I know who they are who are listening now, and there's probably tenfold more than the the people I'm thinking of who are saying, I'm just going to wait this out, right? But you know that waiting is not a good solution for growing wealth. It's not a good solution for your career. So what do we do? What can you and I together say to get these people to act now because they're, they're they're trying to wait out the pandemic and there's no, in fact, I talked to one, I interviewed one on the show just two days ago, guy who's over in Europe, brilliant guy. If you saw him on the stage, he's amazing, makes great money giving speeches, deserves every penny of it, energizes audiences. And he's saying, okay, I'm, I'm going through my database and I'm paring down my database of, of event planners and you know, I'm not gonna market to them now. I'm just, what he doesn't understand is those event planners they they've taken other jobs they're, they're they're gone they're not they're not event planners anymore because you can't do nothing most people can't do nothing for a year so how do we get these folks to change everything they knew for the last 10 years and do something different what's what can we do to help them
1: you you might not like my question here but my question to you would be why do you care what they do
0: Um, well, my mission, what gets me up in the morning, what excites me is to is to help people. It's to it's to help people to to help people make a great living and live a great life. That's my that's been my mantra. That's why I started this business. So and that's why I have a podcast. That's why I'm on YouTube is because I can help more people by reaching out to more people, even people who don't engage me personally. So, you know, they might not be my clients, but they're listening to the show. I want them to do better. I want them to, to have a life they enjoy. So and, that's, and they're listening because they subconsciously want this. They just don't know how to act right? Otherwise they wouldn't be listening to this. They would have turned it off a half hour ago. They would have turned it off 41 minutes ago when I said no fucking around, right? So they're (laughs) listening now. So what can we do to help them?
1: Well, it's interesting because I, in some ways I disagree with you because people can listen and that's their part of action that they want to take. And until they decide in a new direction, they're going to stay in that stuckness. And so it's interesting because, you know, I've gotten like, when people come to me, they're like, I've got this friend that's doing this. And I really want to change them. Like, why do you want to change them? It says more about you than it does about them, that your motive, that you want them to do something different than they're doing. Cause no one's going to do anything they don't want to do because they have unconscious blocks that unless they're coming to you and saying, help me get into action, it's not your job to help them get into action because okay. that's not what they want. So
0: I love this. I, I I'm glad. Look for for future guests. It's good to disagree with me because it makes a better show. So I <laughs> the the point I think we're we're kind of two sides of the same coin because I've had the experience where I charge a lot for private coaching, and I've had the experience where somebody will pay me. They'll write me a check. They'll transfer the money to my bank account, and then I never hear from them again. And that that activity of paying me was their version of taking action. And that's what I'm hearing you say here. Listening to the show is their version of taking action. But you said yourself when you first came on that you're the tough love person when it comes to money, right? So I gotta be the tough love person when it comes to helping these people. Like if you're listening to this sitting on the couch thinking it's gonna be better, I want to encourage you that it's not going to get better unless you make it better, and you know the fact that I care. Look, it's, it may keep, keep you listening to the show, but I honestly believe that someday it's going to help somebody who's listening, and they're going to say, "Hey, Dave, listen. I heard this show. I had to listen to it three years later. I'm ready. I'm going to act now." So my, I think it, it, because it's, it's selfish. I mean, Amanda, I'm going to be honest with you. It's me fulfilling my mission is getting that person. It's part of it is trying to get that person off the couch. And I know nine and a half times out of 10, they're not going to get off the couch, but I'll sleep better tonight knowing that I tried. So maybe it's for me. Maybe I'm not doing it. Maybe I'm not doing it for you. You selfish fuck. I'm self, I'm more selfish than you are. I mean, maybe that's why, you know, maybe we've gotten to something here. Maybe I'm doing it because I'm selfish. <laughs>
1: well, it is It is fascinating to me because I go, you know, in my business, I tend to, I, I like to attract people my way who are ready for what I have, which is why it's NFA. And I go, part of NFA attitude is no fucking around radical responsibility. You got to be the one to decide like, okay, I'm the center of my reality. I'm ready to do something different. I might not know the way, and I might have unconscious blocks, but I'm actually ready to to take action and until then you're not gonna get anyone to do anything
0: so I guess look I'm reading between the lines here and you're saying that this attitude that I have of trying to help these people who aren't ready for help maybe I'm enabling them (laughs) I'm enabling their their helplessness and they think that just writing me the check and doing nothing is you know is enough I and that's a sign that I've attracted the wrong person that's what you're telling me
1: yeah yeah Yeah. Well, and it depends, right? I mean, great for you because you've got money in your bank. But for me, I always go like, my client's success is my reputation. So I go, if your success is my reputation, I'm not going to bring someone on who just wants to write me a check and isn't going to come to my meetings. Like, no way, because that's my reputation. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm attracting people who are like, I'm ready to take action and I need you to help me find the way and that's what gets me on fire because then you get to have those huge breakthroughs and have people change in sometimes in an instant it's just one thought they shift completely and their whole life is different and that's worth millions of dollars potentially
0: oh i look i completely agree with you and you know i think you've i think you've helped me you've clarified something for me and that's the, there's nothing worse than, the, the, first of all, the best feeling in the world is when a client achieves success beyond their own personal expectations, but that you knew they could do originally. But you're, you're helping me really clarify. There, there's, there's one thing that I hate more than not being successful myself, and that's when a client has invested in me and they won't do the work and that I feel like that's out there and that's hanging over my head and their head and you know 3 years later the day is going to come where they're going to wake up and they're going to go oh shit I gave that guy all this money let me let me see if he's going to give it back to me and it, it's never I'll tell you right now I've been doing this a long time it's never happened nobody has ever called me and said I want the money I gave you 5 years ago back because they know they're not going to get it that money's gone that was that was spent 5 yeah. years ago but set that aside for a minute, it was on them to act within the one year time period we agreed they should take action and they didn't do it. I'm welcoming of them at any point during that year, but the fact that they're not willing to do it, they've gotta take responsibility for themselves. All right. So let's let's get into um, in the in the few minutes we have left, let's get into how you structured this business so that and this is fascinating to me and I love it so that you would attract only the people who are ready, willing and able to to take action on this. Right. So we got the name of the company and the name of the company does a lot. The name of the process does a lot for uh, for attracting people. Do you do you actually sit across from people and go, I don't think you're ready. You're not ready. And they and they and they go, well, what do I need to do to get ready? And they change or do they just go away and never come back? How does that work?
1: It's a a good question. And I wish I could give you a super clear answer. Like I have a system for this, but I don't. I generally gauge it on my initial meeting. I'm really big on my initial meeting, getting to know people well and not, you know, like I don't at the moment, I don't pawn off that initial sales meeting to someone else because I want to know if they're going to succeed based on what I know creates the magical you know kind (laughs) of what what the characteristics of someone who's ready to take action are and so I like to have that meeting and I've definitely had consults with people where I just I know in that meeting like you're going to get a good takeaway in this moment and I don't want to work with you. And so I just don't follow up. If And the thing is, if they really want it, they'll follow up with me. And that, to me, indicates something different. And so, you know, I, I know that the fortune is in the follow up, but there are definitely people who I don't follow up with because I go, you're not ready. You're looking for a magic pill. You don't want to do the work. You don't want to actually see yourself clearly. You don't want to face your shit. I, I'm not the right person for you because I don't have a magic pill. Like it, there is no magic pill. The magic pill is learning. It, it, you know, there isn't a, it, when I say quick, easy, like there is no overnight success. I don't believe in that. You know, you got to break through a lot of stuff. You got to be wa- willing to face yourself. The, the work that I've done to go from, you know, having an affair, being on food stamps, feeling terrified every day to get to where I am now has been significant. You know, I haven't just, isn't just like I sat down and hired one person for a session and all this sudden I'm better. I've I've looked deep within and I do daily habits that cause me to have a different life. And so the results are in the shifting of my thinking and the actions that I take to then create the different life that I want. So when I'm working with people who, you know, you can tell, like, I would never take on a client who someone else is paying for them. No way. Like I don't give things away for free. I don't there's just some, some things that I, I do and I go like if they're not willing to commit to a certain period of time, if they are begging for a discount, Like, there's certain things I go, you'll figure it out. When I was on food stamps, I came up with $2,000 to work with John D. Martini because I was like, I just knew this was the way I need to go. And it opened the door of everything that I'm experiencing right now because I invested in myself and took action in that direction and knew I'm going to be radically responsible and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And those are the kind of people that I like to attract.
0: Yeah, I... the. Um, the part of the, the story there about you found the money to do what you want is, is the part that I stress to people all the time. And I, I wanna drill down on two things that you said that are very difficult for people to grasp. You don't do anything for free, and people who ask for discounts are gonna be trouble from day one, right? I, that's, my, that's been my philosophy forever. I've done, uh, I've, I've done scholarships where I've given people scholarship opportunities to come to events. And again, I do it for me. I don't do it for them because it doesn't work out, it never works out the way you want it to work out. What happens, in my opinion, when you give somebody something for free is they immediately devalue what you're giving them. It doesn't, it doesn't lift them up. It brings, in their mind, it brings your offering down. So give me your I'm sure I'm sure there was a there's a well-reasoned process for those two things, not giving anything away for free and, you know, being weary of people who ask for discounts. What what led to those two uh, kind of policies that you have? Where did where did you Why did you come up with those? Where did they come from?
1: Yeah, I, I so agree with you. And I was I was so grateful that the first coach that I wanted to get into his program, it was a relationship course to become a relationship coach. That's what I thought I was gonna end up doing. And I had been listening to his podcast for a couple months and then come to find out he lives where I live and he was starting a school and and it was six, I think it was fifty five or six Thousand dollars, fifty-five hundred or six thousand dollars, which to me at the time was an astronomical amount of money, and I didn't have credit cards, I didn't have the money, so I emailed him this big long thing, like scholarship, this, that, and the other, and he said, "I never give anything away for free." Exactly what you're saying, it devalues you. You will find a way, and he said, "And I will work with you on part of it," and and he could see my fire, you know. So it's like I came up, I sold things. I mean, I just was like, "I will do whatever it takes," and that caused me to be incredible resourceful, see that I could come up with money, um, be all in invested, I ended up doing work study, like I, I, I made it happen, you know, so it's like sometimes I'll discount things. If I can tell someone's on fire and they don't have that amount of money and, uh, you know, you, you, I can tell by certain questions I ask if they really are just BSing and, you know, they're paying a whole bunch of money for vacations and they just don't want to pay me versus like they really don't have the money and they really need the opportunity. But I make them come up with something. absolutely. and that tends to work. If you discount it, I've done it before where I've learned the lesson the hard ways sometimes, you know it's like I've discounted before and then I see like their Instagram feed of them on vacations and I'm like, oh, interesting. <laughs> so you know, I've just learned exactly like you're saying, it devalues you and it devalues them and ultimately you're setting up a money block for them by them modeling you, giving things away for free. So here I am. I'm teaching coaches and online entrepreneurs how to value themselves and how to charge what they're worth. If I'm not doing that, then they're modeling that.
0: And that's my fault. I, I completely agree. And I tell when people ask me for a discount, I tell them I tell them this story years ago. I, I was working with, I, I was working almost exclusively with lawyers when I, when I first went out on my own. And I'm working with an immigration attorney and I was charging her, again, this is like 15 years ago, I was charging her like $1,000 a month. And I was going to her office. So I'm, you know, once a week in her freaking office. I mean, I was out of my mind, I was crazy. So I'm doing this and, you know, miserable, driving half hour each way, downtown, in traffic. Sometimes it takes me 45 minutes or an hour. And I'm in her office, and she sits down, and she tells me, listen, we're, we're having a bad cash flow month. Uh, I'd like you to take a reduction in your fee. I don't want to cancel because I, I, I'm, I'm getting value out of what, you're, what, you're do, what we're doing together. So we end up coming up with a discount. I'm charging her out $800 a month, okay? And two weeks later, I get a call from her assistant that she's not going to be able to make it. So I go, I go into her office afterwards, and she's tan, and I'm like, where where were you? What, what happened? Oh, I went on vacation. I was in the Caribbean. We I went away for a week and we stayed at and she tells me the name of the place I stayed. And it's like what I'm charging her per month, per night. OK, she paid per night what I'm charging her per month. And I, I, I was physically upset. I mean, I was like, my hands were shaking, I started to sweat and I stood up and I said, listen, I'm not gonna be able to work with you today because I'm actually really aggravated because just three weeks ago, you, you know, you're, you're weaseling me down for a $200 a month discount and you paid my monthly fee for a night in a hotel that tells me that you just don't value the work we're doing together at a high enough level. So here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to leave now, and I'm going to spend some time thinking about whether or not I can continue to work with you. And if I can't, I'll give you the money back for this month, and we're going to part company because I just can't. I just can't handle it. And uh, she emailed me and emailed me and emailed me. She made up the money she uh, had discounted and she we never had a problem after that. We remained friends for the, for the she worked with me for over 12 years after that. We never had another discussion about money. Even when I became more successful, I never raised her fees. But that was a seminal moment for me and I never discounted, uh, you know, I did I did one discount because of COVID for, for one particular person, but other than that, I've, I've never discounted my fee after that because of that, that very situation. I mean, I felt like such a sucker in that moment. The <laughs> bruise, is, it's still there. The wound is still there, so it's never gonna happen again. You don't have to worry about it, but that's, you know, we do a disservice as much to them as we do, as we do to ourselves. You know, that's like the, I tell people all the time, don't loan people money because the minute you loan them money, they're going to go on vacation and you're going to hate them. And that's exactly, that happens every stinking time. You loan somebody 10 grand, they spend four grand on their bills, six grand on going on a a great vacation. It always happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what do we need to, what are, are, give us three things we can do right now to change, to, to stop fucking around when it comes to money. What are the first three things we need to do?
1: Uh, get conscious of your money blocks, which is funny to say because if you were, you wouldn't have them. But really, what you want to start doing is like it is massive self-reflection about what your beliefs are about money and about wealthy people and I don't care what level of wealth you're at start doing this and see what happens have conversations about money talk to yourself about money understand your beliefs about money analyze movies and when you're seeing wealthy people around you that are at a higher level than you what's your judgment of them because whatever you judge and the way that you judge it tells more about you than it does about them and so just remember that piece you know live by the golden universal law that your outer World is a reflection of your inner world so if you don't like what you're getting on the outside I don't care if it's in relationship money business anything you need to change within and you just start asking yourself how can I shift myself and be radically responsible? And then I'd say, you know, I, I, I don't know the range of, of business people that are listening or watching this, but it's like, learn everything you can about money making multiple streams of passive income is, is how I gauge true wealth. You know, it's like, if I could quit my job, my, if I could leave my business alone for a month and it would still generate wealth, that's freedom. Right, so it's like everything I'm setting up in my business, I go, I want to have long-term, multiple streams of passive income that are fun to create and think about it as a money game. And you know, I'm I'm just at the beginning phases, so I'm definitely not there yet, but I'm building the foundation for that. And I got a little bit, you know, I'm a little late to the game, but other people aren't. But just focus on that and have fun while you're doing it. If you want to attract money your way instead of working your ass off, and if you have that money block, like I I've got to work really hard all the time and then I'll be happy when I get somewhere you got money blocks and you're going to have to continue that cycle of working hard because you're going to prove to yourself it takes hard work to make money. So I'm not saying you're not going to work to make money, but it, it shouldn't feel drudgerous and stressful. And, you know, I call it being on the treadmill of BS where you're just going, going, going all the time and never enjoying and not pa- not present, not there for your family because you're thinking about how you want to support your family financially, but then you're not present with them. That's not wealth. So I really like to help people build genuine wealth where they do what they love, they feel good while they're doing it, and they build that long, term foundational passive income
0: okay so people need more uh, dr. Amanda where can they get more dr. Amanda what's the next step so somebody's convinced they love what you had to say they want to work with you tomorrow what what do they need to do
1: they can go to NFA money Masterclass. that's one way to just you know get in my community in my circle my handle is at NFA money for everything I'm on YouTube LinkedIn Facebook Instagram, and there's I have a podcast called Max Potential Money. So there's, there's a lot of great ways to connect with me. But I'd say if they want to work with me immediately, go to the NFA Money Masterclass, watch that, and it'll give them a link to hang out with me. And then I can assess whether they're actually ready.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. That's great. We're going to put all that in the show notes. It was... An absolute pleasure having Dr. Amanda with us today. You know, I'll I'll tell you something. I I was initially one of those people who, when I saw the name of your uh, your company, I was like, I need to find out more <laughs> about this because that's who I am. I don't fuck around. So, Dr. Amanda, all right, help me with this now. Variantes, Variantes, is that did I get Got it? Variantes, okay. Yep. So yep. go to nfa.money.com. Dr. Amanda's stuff is there. Go to nfaMoneyMasterclass.com, sign up, and you can take the masterclass. Find out more about her, and then have a consultation with her, and you can get your money straight. That's all. That's all you need to do, really. If you if you want to take the next step and break through all the crap that's holding you back the BS, right? This is the Inside BS Show where we're helping you cut through the inside BS about money. Go to NFAMoney.com or NFAMoneyMasterclass.com. Sign up there and Dr. Amanda will get you straightened out. Dr. Amanda, thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure having you.
1: Thanks, Dave. It was great to be here.
0: All right, folks. That'll do it for this episode of the Inside BS Show. Sometimes we give you inside BS strategy. No, sometimes we give you inside BS Sometimes we give, sometimes we take it inside some kind of bullshit. Today, we removed all the bullshit. That was it. We weren't fucking around today. Dr. Amanda was with us. She helped us get our money right. Listen to this show over and over again. Go to NFAmoney.com. Get involved with Dr. Amanda. Until tomorrow, I'm Dave Lorenzo. I'll be back here with another interview, but there's no way it could be as good as this one. I'll see you tomorrow. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.